0: edition of the forks down podcast your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the seattle mariners baseball team my name is rick clark and with me not as always we got a special guest today okay Bo's out of town we had to call in a favor that favor came in and is doing us a solid with me on the show today friend of the show mr cody essman cody how are you doing today I'm doing great, sir. How are you? I'm uh, doing wonderful. Idaho is beautiful right now. Man, um, it's like ninety I, still I, I f- in
1: Alabama right now, and it's seven thirty.
0: <laughs> yeah, seven thirty. It's like seventy-ish, yeah. but uh, it's it, hot. Yeah, it's it's that's hot for me.
1: <laughs> it's good baseball season weather.
0: But hey, it really is. It really is. And you uh, a couple weeks ago went to Atlanta to catch a couple ball games. I did. Um, that was
1: that was a blast. That was a blast.
0: Was that your first time in Atlanta going to Truist Park?
1: It was. Yeah. I'm. Truth be told, I'm not a giant fan of Atlanta. I mean, there's it's so much traffic, so many people. But Truist does a really good job of uh, of directing people around, and uh, everything is pretty open. Like Truist is. So, like T-Mobile, for example, right? There's stuff like around the park, and there's a lot of stuff in the park. Truist Mm -hmm. is like a community, like there's actual apartments outside the stadium. Uh, So yeah, there's restaurants, there's like 20 restaurants around there. I mean, it's, it's hectic, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's a really nice stadium. I would definitely go back. Um, The food was some of the best food that I've had in a ballpark and it was some of the most reasonably priced. So that was a bonus and the weather was beautiful until that last day. I told you that (laughs) we left and uh, it started, it was basically a monsoon. We had, yeah we had to stop and sit inside for about an hour, let the rain die down. Um, mm-hmm. but other than that, it was a it was a wonderful time. It was really cool seeing the Mariners uh, and and the Braves, especially now that they're both they're both playing well. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was really competitive. Even though the, I think the score one day was like seven to three, the Mariners won. Mm-hmm. Um, it the game was comp- watching it in person, it was it was a, it was a competitive game. It was a competitive yeah. game. So it was it was good time. It was a good time.
0: Good good. Well, I know I appreciate you coming on the show today, filling in. You got a tall task. I know you've been watching the Mariners, um, you know, the last couple weeks. Probably some of the first full games that you've been catching the Mariners season. So I'm going to I'm quiz you a little bit on, on what you're seeing. Um, sure. But before we do all that, um, I just want to take time to thank everyone for tuning in again. Um, this is episode number 41. Um, you know, Bo... And I are really having fun with this. Cody, it looks like he's going to have fun with this. You know, so, um, you know, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, hey, thanks for choosing us. And hopefully you stick with us, you know, episode 41 and beyond. So um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, just search Down Podcast. Uh, our inboxes are always open on there. You know, go ahead and uh, message us if you want. If you got questions, um, you know, definitely shoot it. To that, also hit uh, like and subscribe on your podcast listening app. Get notified when we drop new episodes. Um, we're pretty good on dropping them on Tuesdays and Fridays. You know, once in a while we have something go on and we need to push it back a day, but you know we're pretty consistent in that. Um, you know, we we bring you the best Mariners content that we have. So, um, you know, it's funny, Cody. Uh, I I have a question from you from Bo. Did you listen to the last episode? <laughs>
1: uh i I didn't I wanted it to be a surprise,
0: okay good so I'm gonna oh. hit that at you at the end of the show okay. just because I want to get your reaction to it but okay. before we get into that and before we get into uh series review because we've got quite a few games mm-hmm. to go over we're gonna go over Mariner's notes and i I really want to start on this one because um i I know I've said it a couple times on here for our fans that have listened for forty plus podcast but I always kind of uh, maybe hint or rag on you a little bit. You're a White Sox fan, you know.
1: <laughs> I and, am, I
0: yeah. And and uh, the Mariners incidentally, uh, a couple days ago, signed a former uh White Sox player to a minor league deal, Adam Ingle, outfielder. What can you tell me about him? Because honestly, outside of him being on the Padres early, earlier this year, I really don't know much about him.
1: So I really like Adam. Um, the thing with Adam is he has elite speed and mm-hmm. he has elite defense. He always had a bit of a problem putting it together with the bat. Like he has pop in his bat. Um, he suffers from, he, at least when he's with the White Sox, uh, not being on the way off breaking pitches as mm-hmm. a lot of the White Sox, uh, a lot of the White Sox players these days have that issue with, which is a little <laughs> curious because most of them have a, they do have a really good eye. They, they draw mm-hmm. a lot of three ball counts, but Adam was kind of the same way. Um, I really liked Adam. I was a little disappointed when uh, when they got rid of him, but he also he doesn't really. I don't know where he fits in the team now. You know, you mm-hmm. have Lou Bob in center. You have Aloy who's playing left, who should be DHing forever. He should mm-hmm. be the new Edgar. Truthfully, he never needs to play in the field. And then you have yeah. Benny out and right. So he didn't really fit in. Um, but I think one thing he's going to give to the Mariners is uh like Caballero is if he wasn't fighting for like the everyday role he would be a really good pinch runner like in the 10th 10th 11th 12th whatever that's Mm -hmm. I think where Adam's gonna fit in I I think Adam could help win them a lot of a lot of games especially with this I think he adds more depth to them um with the the ghost runner on second I think if there wasn't a ghost runner on second he might not play as big of a role truthfully Mm -hmm. just because their outfields their outfield's pretty set. I mean, you have you have Kelnick, you have J Rod, you have Teoscar. He's not going to start in the outfield. It just makes no sense to do that. But yeah. he, he can give any one of those guys a day off. He has great defense. He's probably not going to do much with his bat. Now he might prove me wrong. He might prove me wrong. He had a lot of he he had a lot of good moments for me in a White Sox uniform. But um he's he runs in that problem. Rate. Same with the Mariners. Um he's not really good enough in my opinion now to play every day. Yeah. Um, especially with an outfield like both teams have now. But I think that's one thing I wish they still had. I wish the White Sox hadn't got rid of him because he would be a great asset for giving people days off and, and pinch running in the late innings. So I think as the season goes on, I think you guys will uh, – I think he'll, he'll open you guys some games, especially in extras. Mm-hmm. Um, his speed is – man, it's it's something to behold. I don't know. I haven't watched him. I mean, he left the White Sox, uh, buddy, I, I think a year or two ago. So I did not yeah. really watch him too much. I don't know if his speed has declined, but when he was with the White Sox, man, he funny enough, he reminded me when, when we were in Atlanta, I saw Caballero running out a ball to first. And I don't remember the last time I saw a human being run that fast in a baseball uniform. Mm-hmm. It was that fast. And that's kind of what it reminded me of. Now, I don't know <laughs> if Adam could still do that, but man, uh, I think that'll be, I think it'll be a good asset for you. I don't think he'll play every day by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, yeah but I think it, it, he adds some good depth. So I I'm not sure with the Mariners how deep the outfield depth is, um, it, but I think he'll he, he can—he'll play a role in being a backup in yeah. the outfield. Definitely. Yeah.
0: And, and it's certainly, you know, it's, it's felt like the Mariners were taking a flyer on him. You know, Jerry yeah. said, hey, we need to get a little more outfield depth because we might be a little light, and we're having trouble at DH. You know, one of the other moves that was made this week actually – like a couple hours before we started shooting, Taylor Trammell was optioned to AAA Tacoma. Mike Ford was selected. Now Mike Ford kind of forced the Mariners' hand and said, hey, if you're not going to bring me up, I'm just going to opt out and go to a different team. And the Mariners said, all right, we'll give you a shot because our our DH depth has been atrocious and we're like 30th in the league mm-hmm. of 30 teams, you know, in, in batting average for DH. So, um, you know, we'll see how Mike Ford plays out. You know he's he's killing the ball coming up from from Tacoma, but someone like Adam Engel, you know, if Mike Ford doesn't do well, and Mike Ford doesn't have any more options, so if he was to leave the team, he'd have to get DFA'd. It wouldn't be mm-hmm. out of the realm of possibility for Adam Engel to come up and play some ball games. You know,
1: yeah, it it's really unfortunate. Uh, We've talked about this before a little bit in, in the past, but someone like it's really unfortunate for someone like Taylor Tramore because I mean, he has a lot of potential. It's just mm-hmm. like, a, I saw him hit a mammoth home run in spring training. And mm-hmm. Ever since then, I've been a big fan. I mean, it, it's, it's something when you're at, when you're at a big ballpark, there's a lot of people, but like at spring training, there's a thousand, two thousand people. Mm-hmm. So when someone makes loud contact with the ball, like you, you don't, you don't forget that. And that was probably the loudest contact I've ever heard. And so I, I've been a Taylor Tramore fan, but, you know, when we went to Atlanta and we were watching, we watched those two games. He played both games, and he made some good contact. But mm-hmm. I think a part of it is he was—he did swing at some bad pitches. But he did get a little unlucky. I'm not gonna lie, he did get a little unlucky a few times. I don't know if that factors into it or, or anything, um, but. It's, I, I think he'll put it together at some point. I don't know that he'll be an everyday, everyday player, but there may or be something in him because I know even with the lack of outfield depth, I mean, he was, he started both games that, that we went to. Oh yeah. So, you know, and we had touched on this a bit before, but I had, I, I saw something um, about Jordan Walker, right. And mm-hmm. so they sent Jordan Walker down and, he has said that it actually had the opposite effect where they send guys down to kind of find their swing. He mm-hmm. took it as I don't, you clearly don't have faith in me. So when he went to triple a, he played mm-hmm. worse because he's like, do I actually not know how to hit a baseball? You know, th- that was something that he actually said. He's like, I, I don't, did I just forget how to, how to do this or, or what? So I don't know if Taylor Schmell kind of falls into that category where the constant being sent up, and then sent down, sent up, sent down, called up, sent down. I don't know if that plays a role in it. Um, but it's hard, right? Because how can the Mariners justify playing him every day when you're hitting 160?
0: Exactly. You know, it's you, not, there's it's just no like,
1: justification.
0: Yeah, and it's not like he's had bad at bats. No. You know, I would say some of his stuff's been unlucky. And his first hit coming off the IL was a grand slam. Yeah. Like, against Toronto. So, I mean, he has done some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I really, you know, it's funny you, you relayed that to relate that to Jordan Walker because Jordan Walker is getting called up again. He's going to be, yeah. you know, in St. Louis against Pittsburgh. So it's like I, I, I want Taylor to go down and not take this as, well, is it me or do I not know how to hit and go down and just mash because he's going to have an opportunity to come back up at some point. Oh, yeah.
1: And it, yeah. is, it has been unfortunate for him, just because you know Mike Ford is hitting very well in AAA, and especially in you know, a mm-hmm. situation where Mike Mike Ford, he doesn't really give the mayors much of a choice because you don't someone who's hitting over three hundred with sixteen home runs or was it sixteen? I, I think he it was. It choice.
0: was thirteen home runs. 13 but home the runs. big the big stat is yeah. fifty six RBIs. we two you know two months yeah. into the season in the AAA, and he's hit fifty six RBIs. He's killing the ball.
1: It's just a bad circumstance, I think, for Taylor. Uh, because mm-hmm. Mike Ford's playing well, he's not playing well. Could he put it together? Absolutely, he could. But right now, especially with Mike Ford essentially giving them an ultimatum, I think that it's just bad luck for Taylor. I, I, I wish him well. I, I think that he's – I mean, he he plays well every time he goes to Tacoma. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like – I just hope he doesn't fall into that, that Jordan Walker mindset where he thinks that the Mayors have lost faith in him,
0: you know? Yeah, he but. he needs to he needs to look at it like like Jared Kelnick. How many times has Jared Kelnick been sent down? He's finally putting it together.
1: And I think that I think that would be good for I I don't know how close like Kelnick and, and Taylor are, but I think that would be something good for for Kelnick to talk about mm-hmm. with him. You know, because that's someone who's been there and look what he's doing this year. Yeah. yeah, you know I mean what was it last year? I think you you had sent me this the post about how at the time. Jared Kelnick had the worst batting average in in major league history among qualified hitters at that time. It was like 160. You can turn it around. You know, you can turn it around no problem. But I I think he's got to have someone in his corner, or at least he needs to feel like someone's in his corner. Which, Mm -hmm. knowing the Mariners, I mean, like I said, even being a White Sox fan, growing up watching the Mariners, that's one thing that Mariners fan base and the Mariners teams, they always seem to be uh, like really tight knit. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just my perception of things. I don't know how things actually operate, but my perception of things is you're a small market team, so you kind of have to stick together. You don't yeah. have the luxuries of a big market team. So, I, I mean, yeah. I wish him well. It's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> bad bad yeah. luck,
1: kind of. Yeah, but,
0: yeah. With with Mike Ford doing it, what he did, and I don't blame Mike Ford either. I really I don't, don't. You're killing the ball. If you've got an opt-out, tell him, hey, I'm coming up or I'm, I'm going somewhere. Where someone's gonna want me on the major league roster. so. Well, hit yeah. like
1: that, someone will pick you up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> someone. So, um, Andres Munoz, uh, Bo and I had been talking about him for a long time. He's finally back in the big league, um, you know, mm-hmm. clubhouse. Um, he made five appearances in uh, the minor leagues between uh, single A and triple A. Five games, 4.1 innings in a rehab stint. Hasn't given up a run in five appearances, five Ks, and he's looking to be back um, probably at the start of this next series um, on the road against Texas. So um, that's going to be a big a big piece of the bullpen coming back. You know, um, I don't know. You've watched Andres Munoz pitch a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's probably when he comes back, he's going to be like Liam Hendricks, except, I mean, obviously he didn't have cancer. I mean, what Liam Hendricks did is, is phenomenal, yeah, but like, crazy. he's going to come back and probably be the de facto closer for the Mariners like Liam was with the White Sox when he came back.
1: Well, I think even beyond that, very similar with, uh, in the situation with Liam, like obviously outside the cancer diagnosis, when you have someone who is your main closer, one of your best pitchers, who's been gone for a while? It's it's definitely a big spark, and mm-hmm. even though it's June, June first, I think the Mariners are at a point where they they need that spark, right? Because you're playing 500 ball all year, but the expectations were much higher than that, right? So I think they this is the perfect opportunity for them with Munoz coming back because with Texas, like they're going to need Munoz, mm-hmm. like if there's Absolutely. any close game, that is the guy you need to have in there. I know the bullpen was really good last year, and, and they're starting to find their stride a lot more than, than early mm-hmm. season, like we were talking about before. But, man, Munoz, that guy is in, like, the 99th percentile of every category you can have on baseball savant mm-hmm. when it comes to pitching. I mean, that's a big loss in the bullpen. So I, I think mm-hmm. having him back is going to be – that's going to be a really big, really big spark, I think, for the Mariners.
0: Yep. Yep. I can't wait. I can't wait to see him pitch again. Um, I'm sure he's going to get, well, they're going to be in Texas if he pitches most likely for the first time, but when he comes back to Seattle, he's probably going to get the Kings. Welcome, you know, he should, he's going to get, you know, you know, I I think they need to start figuring out like a, you know, Edwin's got the, 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 the trumpets that play (laughs) Kimmy trumpet. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Ryan Helsley in St. Louis has hell's bells. I think we need to start figuring out something for Andres Munoz because I think he has a chance to come in and, and be that guy for the Mariners coming back.
1: I think so. that I think that's, he's someone that the Mariners, even if the season doesn't go as planned, I mm-hmm. think he's someone that you should trade under no circumstances for any trade pieces. I think yep. that's someone you have to keep around. Like yep. you need an anchor on a bullpen. You have to. I mean, the White Sox bullpen – before Liam came back has been in shambles all year because you don't know Mm -hmm. who you don't know who the de facto closer is. You have different guys in different situations. And while you should be able to pitch in any situation, that's just not the case. Guys Mm -hmm. really get used to those roles. So all of a sudden you got a guy who's a seventh or eighth inning guy. Now you're throwing him in the ninth or throwing him in the sixth sometimes. So -hmm. I think having that, he's, he provides that stability in the bullpen where I, maybe the Mariners don't quite have that yet, where you got guys coming in different different situations. Because I think mm-hmm. when we were in Atlanta, there was no like, oh, you got a seventh inning guy or an eighth inning guy. It was different guy. Like they brought, it was, a, was a it Topa. It was yeah, they brought Topa in in one of the games, and man, he 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 pitched well for a couple of bats, but he got hammered very quickly. Yeah. Where I think if you have someone like – then you got to save your good guys for the 8th and the ninth, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas now you can throw Paul Seawald in on the 7th, maybe the 8th. Yeah. You know. Yeah,
0: and, and Paul seawald has been that kind of pitcher yeah. for uh, the last two-plus seasons. You know, mm-hmm. he's doing great in the closing role now, and he's, I think, 11 for 12 in save chances. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. His ERA's a little high. But his, his bread and butter for the last couple seasons has been – you need to get a tough out i'm gonna come in and do it you know and and he had his fair share of safe chances but he also came in in the sixth seventh eighth i think one game they they brought him in the sixth because um mm-hmm. i can't remember what team it was it might have been atlanta they were threatening and he's like we needed a big out you need they needed to get ronald or not ronald acuna um matt olson out so they brought in Seawald, and Seawald did it you know so like um, you know, I, I feel better with Munoz coming in and being the de facto closer and moving Seawall to his normal high leverage situa- situation yeah. roles.
1: Yeah, I mean, so. the big thing for a closer, for me at least, mm-hmm. is you have to have, uh, you have to miss the bat. You can't, you can't give someone a spark of the ninth with putting a bat on the ball, getting a bloop single, maybe a bloop double. Like, you need someone who can miss the bat. If, there's a, mm-hmm. if, there's a, if there is a position on your pitching staff where you need someone to miss the bat, it's got to be the closer. And I yep. think that's exactly, I mean, Munoz is in the top 99, 99th percentile in whiff percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you need that. Whereas, I mean, Seawall is still, he's, he's above average. He's, he's boring on the great category. But when you're in the 78th percentile versus the 99th percentile in late game, that makes a big difference. Yep. Yeah. That yep. makes a big difference. So I think it'll be good for both parties. Truthfully. Yep.
0: Yep. Uh, last mo- note we have before moving on to some uh, game review series reviews, Jacob Nottingham um, traded to the giants for a player to be named later. Um, for all you Mariners fans that don't know Jacob Nottingham, uh, they had to make a special rule in the major leagues because he kept getting waived and, and traded. Uh, I think it was two years ago. Um, he went, from the Brewers to the Mariners, back to the Brewers, back to the Mariners. So, um, you know, not much to say on him. You know, we just signed Pedro Severino to a minor league contract. So, obviously, Jacob Nottingham was expendable. Um, It doesn't look like they're fleecing the Giants like they did last year uh, in the Donnie Walton for Perlander-Barroa trade. But, um, you know, best of luck to Jacob Nottingham and, Maybe he carves out a role in the Giants organization. Maybe he sees time on the major major league roster, but um, he most certainly won't be on the Mariners at least right now. Always a chance for him to come back. So, with all that being said, that was a, that was a long notes, man. That was
1: was I, I talk was a lot, lot, you know.
0: I I know. <laughs> I, I play games with you all the time, so I, I know that stuff. <laughs> um, let's go into some game reviews. We're going to hit the Pirate series and the Yankee series because we got two series to catch up on. Um, I wanted to start on the last game against Oakland because Bo and I weren't able to cover it last episode because um, the Mariners and A's had not played yet. Um, but the Mariners were able to complete the sweep for nothing um, against Oakland in a three to two win. Uh, Gilbert got a win. He's 3-2 on the season. Seawald got his 11th save. Um, You know, if I'm just looking at the box score real quickly, Logan Gilbert, uh, eight innings pitch, only had three hits given up, two runs, two earned, um, six Ks, did give up one home run, um, and then Seawald came in for an inning, didn't give up any hits, had two Ks. And um, Ty France basically won the ball game from the Mariners' They that game um had two home runs uh both solo home runs but um you know all they needed was one 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 run to win it so um a really wild stat here cody um i don't know i don't know if you looked at the box score for this the mariners in the three to two win were they left six people on base they were oh for one with runners in scoring position so that means Every person they left on base, or the one run they scored, scored from first base. No one was ever in run in scoring position.
1: I don't think I've ever heard a stat like that before.
0: Yeah, I for one
1: with runners in scoring position, but you left six on base, and that's yeah. that's a lot of singles.
0: Yeah, and it, that's it also was...
1: a lot of spread out singles.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was it, it was a very big. It was really weird because the Mariners, let's see, had five hits, two of them obviously were the France home runs, and they had one, two walks. So Cabiero and Kelnick both had a walk, and they only K'd four times. So they were putting the ball in play, just not getting, you know, not getting people around the second, and they were hitting it at people.
1: I kind of so, want to go watch this game. I didn't. I wasn't able to catch that game. I kind of want to go watch this game now. Just to, mm-hmm. I, I, I need to. That's one of the things that I need to see it to like fully process that because logically that doesn't make any sense to me. That's crazy. No.
0: No, it, <laughs> it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And I'm gonna get my. I'm gonna get Bo's thoughts when he comes back because, again, it was a very wild game and it was a good win, but it was just like an anomaly game. That's one you see. Every 10 years. Which almost. is
1: double strange considering it was against the Athletics. Yeah, exactly. Arguably the worst team to ever step foot on a Major League Baseball field outside of the uh, 1800s.
0: I, When you're beating, um, you're, you're statistically lower than teams like the 1899 Cleveland Spiders. Yeah. You know you're going to have a problem. Ooh. So,
1: What's odd with them too is you look at it on paper and it's like they shouldn't be that bad. No, They shouldn't exactly. be that bad. That's a little – that's a yeah. different conversation.
0: And as Bo so eloquently put it the other day, their hitting's great. Not great. They're good. Their hitting's good. They are serviceable as a team hitting the ball. They just have a, a minor league pitching staff. That's all it is.
1: You and know, they're not going to do anything to change that?
0: Nope, nope. Till they get to Vegas, so – all right, let's get into some games, Cody. That you you actually watched, and yeah. I I really feel you picked. I, I'm grateful for you for you to come on. I f- feel like you picked a bad time to watch some Mariners games because all our young guys got shelled, and it started with the first game. We were sitting on a call together, watching the game together. George Kirby versus Mitch Keller. You know when the Pirates came to town, and Kirby got lit up.
1: That was, I uh, was a little shocking to me. Uh, I mean, I know Kirby is a good pitcher, but I mean, we were we were playing MLB, you know, watching that game together, and it, it seemed like every time I looked away from the screen, the ball was flying out. The ball was flying mm-hmm. out, and uh, it really made it feel like they weren't playing in Seattle. Truthfully, it, it watching that game, it felt like they were playing a course uh, because mm-hmm. I remember, um, I think it was the one that Key Brian Hayes hit. Might be Mm. mistaken, but I remember seeing one and I remember when he hit it, I was like, hmm, fly ball. And then it just kept going and going and going. And then it left. I remember we were like, what in the world is going on here? (laughs) Yeah. Because it was so, like, so anti any outdoor Seattle game. I know the weather's warming up in Seattle, Mm -hmm. but man, that was, that was crazy. It was a fun game to watch. I'll tell you that. Like, just as a baseball fan. I know a tough game for you to watch as a Mariners fan, but as a baseball fan, yeah. I, uh, I I enjoyed it. It was, it was a good time to start watching. It,
0: it it wasn't even necessarily that Kirby was the only one getting lit up. I mean, Kirby's line was four and two-thirds innings, nine hits, seven runs, all earned, one base on balls, four Ks, gave up a season-high four, four home runs, has only given up four home runs the whole season, gives up four home runs in that game. But Mitch Keller, who picked up the win for the Pirates and is – been an ace of their staff also inflated his era over three in the game like he almost was left in too long because he gave up the other six runs that the Mariners scored you know um and offensively the the Mariners just couldn't keep up you know they uh they hit the ball well they just didn't hit it as well as Pittsburgh you know mainly Andrew McCutcheon who looked like the Andrew McCutcheon of old he did look like
1: 2012 McCutcheon man that was it's, nice, it's always nice seeing a bit of a resurgence I mean he's been playing well all year mm-hmm. I think it does help going back to he's bounced around a bit you know get, going back to someplace I imagine he considers to be home you know mm-hmm. a little bit more of a comfortable environment but I do remember that game when uh, I had gone to get something to drink and I came back and I saw the I think it was was it, I think it was JP that hit a home run
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was like, is Keller still in the game?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he said that to me and I was like, uh yeah, he is. Why is he still in this game? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like
1: he, he's been hit a little bit, a lot more than he has the previous four or five starts. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really understand when you have a it was a six run lead, seven run lead, you know, no. and we're in the fifth. I think it was the fifth. I mean, they let him pitch. I I'm not part of the pirates organization. I'm not a major league manager. I didn't understand the decision personally. Uh, yeah. just because I mean he's running such a hot streak, you know, it can that can get derailed very quickly. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. We know one thing in baseball, those things can get derailed quickly. So I think it was a little risky. Outside of I don't think you were gonna I don't think he was gonna blow the game necessarily, but mm-hmm. it all it takes is one game like that where you're pitching well for a while and all of a sudden you get lit up and it can be a blow to your confidence, you know, especially a guy like Keller who's like emerging as, he's always he's been good. <laughs> But he was really emerging as like a Cy Young candidate.
0: You yeah. Know?
1: So and I think
0: he, he certainly still oh, like yeah. Kirby, he certainly still could be trending oh, that yeah. way. He just he had a bad game in a win. He he just got lucky and got a win out of it.
1: When, he would add, so. when you would when he would ask me to, to come on the podcast, he said, Hey, can you watch these games? I remember looking at that game and I was like, That's gonna be a fun game to watch, but for the opposite reason of the reason it was actually fun.
0: That's I, I said that in the last podcast. I, I thought it was not gonna the be last a one, the one goal. before. Yeah, I, I told him I'm like that's gonna be the one to watch because Kirby and Keller are both amazing yeah. pitchers. Yeah, you know, and then we they both got torched. So, yeah you know. that
1: that was a, that was a fun little fun little twist on yeah. uh, on
0: that. We got M Night Shyamalan writing the baseball script, and Yeah, that's uh,
1: what it felt like that day.
0: Yeah, um, some more stats here uh, for pitching. Sacedo came in. Gave us an inning, two hits, one run, one earned, one K. Um, one Mariners note: I just realized I forgot about Juan Ten showed up in this game against Pittsburgh, pitched an inning in a th- uh, third, gave up two hit or three hits, two runs, both earned, gave up two r- home runs. He got sent back to the minors. I don't think it was after this game, but a couple days later, mm-hmm. Darren McConnell came up and pitched, actually in the Yankees series. So um, we'll talk more about Darren McCannon. Um, but 110 is not on the roster anymore. He's back in AAA Tacoma. And then we had a Chris Flexen sighting. Um, I don't know if you listen to some of the some of the podcasts we've done so far, Cody. But um, Chris Flexen his ERA has been seven point seven one. He went yeah. two innings this time, gave up one hit, but that one hit was a home run, so it was one run, one earned run, one K. It did bring his ERA down a smidge. He's now at a six point two one. Thank oh, God. Hey. Yeah. Well we're every, every
1: it's small small.
0: At one point, uh uh Marco, who's like five and two or five and one, he's it's something ridiculous. He has a almost as big as ERA as Chris Flex and he's just winning ball games. So it's and, it's real wild.
1: And we all know uh we all know what The validity of pitcher wins can yeah. Bo, Bo, and I can talk about that all day.
0: You know what? One of these days, we're going to get all three of us on this podcast. We'll talk about that. It'll probably it'll probably make for really good podcast listening. So, (laughs) hitting wise uh, huh?
1: Was that the oh no? Sawinski, I I just I was recalling the flex, and I couldn't remember if it was Sawinski who hit that absolutely mammoth home run.
0: I I think think that that was was off one ten.
1: It, it was yeah. it
0: was one of the two. It was off 110. Yeah, That's a whiskey. Yeah. Home run was a mammoth shot. That was uh, a crazy shot. But hitting-wise, just to go over the stats before we move on to the next game, Crawford, two for five, two runs, two RBIs. Uh, J-Rod went two for four, one run, three RBIs. He had a three-run home run, and he had a very big homestand, which we're going to talk about towards the end of the Yankees series because he hit like 412. Had quiet. I think he had four home runs in this home stand. So J. Rods turning it around. Um, Cal Raleigh, my favorite player. I think you know that, Cody. Uh, two for three, one run, one base on balls, and that's about it. Um, runners in scoring position, two for six. Um, team left on base five. Um, no one grounded into a double play, and that's amazing because. As we keep track of on this show, it seems like the Mariners average at least one grounded into double play every game, but didn't happen in the 6-11 loss. So going to the next day, um, Mariners really picked it up and got a 5 nothing shutout against the Pirates in Game 2. And biggest reason, Lepidra, Luis Castillo came in, got the win, only pitch, pitched six innings but had 10 Ks and looked every bit the ace that he was early in the season.
1: I mean, that was a a classic Luis Castillo performance. That is, when I think of Luis Castillo, that's the kind of performance. I I know you can't do that every day, but Mm -hmm. those are the kind of performances I expect him to have, you know, once or twice a month minimum. The six innings pitched, one or two hits allowed, no runs, double-digit Ks. Which is mm-hmm. I mean, the Pirates have been hot and cold. They started off obviously really well. Then they went on a massive cold stretch. But I mean, to come in and shut the door like that on a team that you just gave up eleven runs to the night before. And mm-hmm. those eleven runs, they weren't just those were some loud and long home runs. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like they it wasn't like the pirates were making weak contact. They were hitting the ball well. Especially off mm-hmm. someone like Kirby. So I think that that's a really good uh I think for Seattle that's really good. You gotta have someone that can come in. Maybe after one of your young guys has not a great start. You gotta have someone that mm-hmm. can come in and shut the door the next day and say, Hey, look, we're stopping this. We're not gonna slide any further. We're stopping mm-hmm. right now and we're going up from here.
0: Yep. Yep. Um and it, it wasn't just Luis Castillo that day. The Mariners as a whole, pitching staff wise had seventeen strikeouts, which is great. Um, yeah, Gabe Spire came in, gave us two thirds of an inning, gave up a hit, but, uh, had one K Matt Brash came in for a third of an inning, had one K Trevor Gott came in for an inning, had two K's Topa came in at the end of the game, gave us an inning pitch did have one base on balls, three K's though, shut the door on the pirates. And, and like you said, that's big from the standpoint of, you just gave up 11 runs the night before to the same team and you're turning around and you're shutting the door on it, shutting them out.
1: Like, to go from giving up – I mean, what they give up? Uh, The Pirates hit a season high, six home runs or seven home runs. And five of those were in the first five. And, I I mean, five of those, I think, we were watching on the broadcast, five of those were in the first five innings or four innings. Yeah. So, for Luis to come in and only give up one singular hit in six full is – that's a huge turnaround, especially at home, especially Mm -hmm. at home. That's –
0: and it was, it, you know, okay. We could talk about the pitching staff all day because Luis Castillo did his Luis Castillo things. There's a reason he's called La Piedra. But also offensively, for a five nothing win, offensively the Mariners did pretty well offensively at the plate. Mm-hmm. Everyone but Wong had a hit. So the top Wong batted ninth, one through eight, each had a hit or two. Um, Crawford, France, and Julio each had double digit hits. Or double digit. Two for four. They all had two hits. But Kelnick, Gino, Cal, uh, Teoscar, and Caballero each had a hit, you know, four through eight. So offensively, it was a very good showing. Uh, what do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six doubles. Six of those hits were doubles. Uh, four yeah. people, four different people had RBIs. Um, Gino had two of them. And, you know, offensively, Four for 14 with runners in scoring position and seven left on base. Um, With how Luis Castillo was pitching, that was able, you know, they were able to win the ball game with that. You know, it just shows with the four for 14, obviously they had a lot of runners in scoring position, so they're leaving a few guys on. But, you know, um, the greatest baseball players in the world hit the ball three out of ten times. You know, four for 14 is not a bad bad clip, honestly. Not at all. Yeah. Moving on to the series closer um, you know, the Mariners needed to pick up a series to win and they were able to um, six to three win against Pittsburgh in the series finale. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think, you know, there were some good parts and bad parts, but um, I think the best part was Gino uh, Suarez coming in and hitting a three run bomb to end the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a big thing for Gina because while he has the power he I mean he has struggled mightily mm-hmm. in, in his career with with strikeouts and to come in in the 10th in a situation where like you can't really strike out right you have to advance with the new rule you have to advance the runners mm-hmm. but to come in I and mean, that's a guy I mean personally even though he he does have you know that history of strikeouts he's one of the, he's one of the guys on, on the mirrors where if, if I had if I were gonna pick someone, that wasn't Julio to come up. Um, I think he's on uh, he's near the top of that list for me. Mm-hmm. Um I know there's probably better bats in the lineup right now, Jared, Kelnick, Cal Raleigh. But I mean just at home with the Mariners fans love Gino. I love Gino. I'm not even like a I never I mean I follow Gino from when he's with the Reds and everything, but I like Gino. So I think it's it's also important too. You know, you've lost that first game, gave a lot of runs. Mm-hmm. Luis comes in, shuts the door second game. You got a big series coming up against the Yankees, which we'll talk about. But you got to have momentum going into that, and there's no better way to get momentum than a walk-off home run. There's just not.
0: And it was a moonshot. Yeah, it was loud on the broadcast, mm-hmm. and and I don't. Were you watching the game? Were you listening to the game, like the TV broadcast?
1: I was not. Or, no, I you,
0: saw it. Okay, after. okay, but it was probably the TV broadcast. You yeah. heard the call, right? Yeah, yeah. I listened to the radio broadcast and Gary Hill jr. Who is one of our, uh, he's one of our lesser known broadcasters. Um, He kind of plays second, third fiddle to Aaron Goldsmith, Rick Riz, but he's always so insightful. And he got the call on that 10th inning walk off home run from Gino. And he, it was such a fun call because I mean, Aaron Goldsmith's call on TV was great, but he let out the loudest Gino, like longest almost. He said Gino, but it trailed for I, I'm not kidding you, like 15, 20 seconds. And he he was so excited to call that. And it was so fun to hear um for for him to get that call. Um you brought up, you know, that you would want Gino in a, a pressure situation. And honestly, if you're doing the eye test on his um, his stats, he's only batting like 211 this season. He's not batting great. But with runners in scoring position, he's batting well over 300. He's one of the better Mariners mm-hmm. hitters when batting with runners in scoring position. You know, he's making the big hits. He's got, let's see his stats this year. He's got only six home runs, 45 hits. He actually bumped it up a little bit. He's hitting about 217 now. Um, but RBI wise he's got I think the second most RBIs on the team right now. He's at 34 which I think after this Yankee series he's behind Julio. But I think you know he's been w- the team leader in RBIs for close mm-hmm. to the whole season.
1: I get that it's probably not a popular opinion to want someone like to want Gino up in that situation. but the thing is my reasoning is he has a lot of pot for one but a lot of, that can either end the game or in the current rule set, he has the ability to very easily move the runner over. Oh, very yeah. easily. Right? You don't want a guy up that is gonna uh in this situation, it's gonna sound odd because I mean you want guys hitting the ball hard, but in some situations you want guys like Gino up in, in late innings or in extra mm-hmm. innings with the runner second where he has the ability to fly out to the warning track. Right. And mm-hmm. if something happens, someone falls down and you have someone even remotely speeding on second base, they're scoring. Yeah. So he could turn what is essentially an out into a game-winning, you know. Now, obviously, you have the flip side where he stri- He can he has the ability to strike out and not move mm-hmm. the runner over. But mm-hmm. I think that is that way, especially like you're talking about with, with runners in scoring position. That's definitely a guy, you know, not speaking his whole career, just this particular year. That's a guy that I would personally, I would want to. I wasn't shocked when I saw he hit a walk-off home run because he hit an absolute, Moonshot to center field when we were watching the Braves. Like when he mm-hmm. hit that ball, there was not a doubt in the stadium that that ball was going out. Not one. Yeah. I think Michael Harris moved two feet. I mean, he just, there was no reason to, he hit it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh yep, that ball's <laughs> like, you know, so I, I think that he has kind of like that it factor, you know, when it comes yeah. to the, the extra innings, you kind of need that in extra innings now. So yeah. I was happy for yeah. Gino.
0: I was too. I was too. Um, Pitching-wise, Marco did just enough to get it done. 5.2 innings, uh, three hits, one run. Probably one of Marco's better outings. He did have three base on balls, only four Ks, but, um, you know, kept the Pirates in check. Uh, Matt Brash, Gabe Spire, Justin Topa each got a hold. Um, Seawald blew his first save of the season here, um, which was wild because... He didn't give up any runs yet. He blew, blew the save. Um, Trevor got uh, came in in relief, and then Sacedo ended up getting the win. Um, offensively, uh, Julio again had a, a decent game. Um, hit another home run. Had it was a solo home run. Went two for five. Uh, Julio Cal and Gino all hit home runs um, in the game. Kelnick. Picked up a RBI, went one for three, and Mariners only K'd eleven times. Went two for ten with runners in scoring position, um, seven left on. But with the pitching able to keep it somewhat in check, two for ten was acceptable, and, and got them a win. And again, I think they went the whole series. Yep, looking at it, the whole series without a grounded into double play. So that's impressive.
1: I, a whole series. I know
0: that's. that's- Again, you the Mares had been averaging about one every game. I mean and they went a whole series without having one. The, so
1: the the complete opposite of me on LB the show. So I mean they, if you're doing that, you're you're in good shape. You know. <laughs> if you're not gonna have double plays, they, I mean double plays are they're rally killers, inning killers, just they're game killers. They yeah. just are, especially late innings.
0: We we won't talk about your your uh, ground into double plays oh, on man. To do the show because uh, Just so I bad. feel like I hear you rage enough about Just it. Just so, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so going into the Yankee series, the Mariners had went six and one, which is great, you know. And then the Yankees were this the team to um, end the home stand on, and really, it w- in in two straight games, the Mariners probably played two of their worst games. Um, and it wasn't necessarily because the Yankees as a whole were doing well. It really turned in, especially those first two games, being the Aaron Judge show. You know,
1: I mean, to be honest uh, with the Yankees, now that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at their lineup, and there's not one other guy. If if Aaron Judge is out right now, truthfully, the Yankees are they're probably on the Athletics level when you look at the the talent that you're going to put on the field and what you're, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen if Aaron judge isn't there, because it's not just like, obviously one guy in the team can't, like he can make a big difference. He statistically, and in the game, it's hard for one man to make a huge difference, but being in the clubhouse, being on the field and seeing that it's, you know, I mean, Jake Bowers went three for four that game, right? Which for him is basically a career game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I watched him for a long time. Uh, when he played on the Guardians, my uncle's a big Guardians fan, and uh, that man, he's good, but he swings at some of the worst pitches I've ever seen in my life. But I think <laughs> having someone like Judge in the lineup doing what he's doing, it's contagious. Yeah, very similar to how it's it is with Julio. Right, when Julio is on, it can mm-hmm. get contagious really quick. When Julio is mm-hmm. off, it can get contagious really quick. You know, so I think. It really was. I I think you. That's a. I I like the the wording you said. It really was the Aaron Judge show. I mean, it's to be expected now. But
0: and he was doing it not just with the stick. Yeah. Like he had two home runs in Game One, a four to ten Yankees win, Mariners loss, and he hit two home runs. But then he goes out in I think it was the seventh or eighth inning and robs a home run from Teo. Yeah. So it's like, what, what is going on? Legitimately, Judge is one of the best players in, not just the American League, all of MLB. I think you
1: know? he, he. I mean, he gets he, he gets the deserved accolades. Yeah. At the plate, I think he doesn't get enough respect in the field. Truthfully, I'm Be not true. a Yankees fan at all, but I think he doesn't get nearly enough respect in the field. Uh, he's one of the he's one of the best overall fielders that you're going to find, especially at his size.
0: He's. You're going to hate me for this comparison because there's one guy that's on my mind right now that Uh-oh. was a very great fielder, but just couldn't put it together at the plate outside of hitting home runs. And that was Joey Gallo. He's Joey Gallo, except he can hit the ball for contact, for power. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's he's miles yeah. ahead of Joey Gallo. But Joey Gallo is a great fielder, yeah. gold glove caliber mm-hmm. outfielder, just as Aaron Judge is and mm-hmm. you know and it's it's funny you say he doesn't get the respect because like he's like six nine six ten yep. and he's a massive human being that shouldn't be able to do what he does you know
1: it, he, he got up when he robbed teo he he got it uh, that wasn't like he had reached up there he left the ground
0: yeah by a large yeah.
1: margin he that was yeah. like, that was impressive that was very yeah. impressive
0: yeah um you know, it was it was one of Bryce Miller's worst starts in the Major Leagues so far. Um, I do feel they left him in a touch pick too long. Um, he, he pitched into the fifth inning, but really kind of got exposed in the fifth inning. They left him in. He, he left a couple runners on, and then Juan 10 brought him around. Uh, Bryce Miller, 4.2 innings, 11 hits, 8 earned. Um, 8 runs all earned, 3 Ks, gave up 2 home runs, um, and then Juan 10, like I said, he's not on the major league roster. He got kind of shelled here, went 2.1 innings, uh, four hits, one run, but um, he gave up probably two of Bryce Miller's runs, um, 1K, one home run. He got sent down after this game. Darren McConnell came up and actually pitched in the next game. And then Chris Flexen, another Chris Flexen sighting, uh, 2.1. Zero innings, three hits, one run, one earned run. So he's still hovering around six ERA. Um, had two walks, gave up uh, – had two strikeouts as well. And then offensively, it wasn't a bad offensive game. Like, if Bryce Miller was on, this would have been a, a, a game that the Mariners could have won with the offensive output that they had. Um, both J-Rod and Kelnick went two for four. J-Rod had his 10th home run of the season. It was a big three-run home run shot, or, yeah, big three-run home run. It helped bring them closer, and then the Yankees ended up pulling away a couple innings later. But, um, you know, with if Bryce Miller, I I will attest to this, or I will say, I think, I believe, if Bryce Miller was on this game, the the offensive output that they put out would have won them in the ballgame. You know, four runs should have been, yeah. enough to let a Bryce Miller start. I,
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, it's tough, too, because they went one for 10 with an urgent scoring position. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that does make it a little more difficult, especially when you're trying to mount a comeback. You know, you got mm-hmm. you really got to make those runners count. But, no, I mean, I agree. I, it, it was bound to happen. Bryce Miller was bound to have a bad game. I mean, he gave up eight earned runs, and it ballooned his ERA to three. So, yeah. if that is that's any indication? I mean, you're going to have a bad game eventually. Uh, you might as well get it out of the way in May. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, and it certainly but doesn't. It's just it a, doesn't
0: take him out of the uh, rookie of the year conversation either. Like everyone has bad games. You go look at the Cy Young winners from the last ten years, and each of them have at least two or three bad games a season.
1: No, I mean I think that if he if he's consistent, if, if he consistently plays like I mean he's going to have some regression, right? Just because it's going to happen. He's not going to have you know a one. One two ERA for the whole season, mm-hmm. but I think if he if he can pitch deep into games for the Mariners, he's going to strike people out. It, it is what it is. I know he only had three Ks this game, but some, as you know from baseball, <clears throat> when you're off, you're off. That's just how mm-hmm. it is. You're not gonna. There's very few people who can have those really bad games, but put, but pump those strikeouts still, right? There's very mm-hmm. very few guys like that. So I think if anything, it would be a learning experience. You know, I know I was kind of messing messing around with the Yankees lineup earlier compared with the A's. But, I mean, truthfully, this isn't the best Yankees lineup you're going to see. But there is a lot of good, like, veterans in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that can be tough. It's a little – not I want to say easier, but it's a little different when you're facing younger lineups. and Bryce Miller is younger. You know, young guys who, have, who don't have that experience to grind out at bats, to just put the bat on the ball. But, you know, when you have guys – I mean. You have Klaver, Judge, Willie Calhoun, LeMahieu, you know. It might not show in the box score, but the ability to drive his pitch counter up early in the game makes a big difference. Yep. yep. You know, so yeah. he'll come back. He'll be fine.
0: Yeah, he certainly will be fine. Um, And he certainly – it wasn't the worst start in the last week that I think the Mariners have had, you know, honestly. And, and some of those runs, again, Juan Ten came in. He left runners on. So when Juan 10 brought them around, like that was, he was yeah. given the runs, which which sucks. I don't think he should have even been out there for the fifth inning.
1: I think we have all these analytics now. I think we need to find a better way to show mm-hmm. in the box score that those were all, that was also, even though Bryce Miller let those runners on base, he didn't allow them to come home. Juan yeah. 10 did. So I think we got to find a bit of a way to make it a little more um, informational and fair, uh, mm-hmm. because I I get the idea that yeah he lets one base but he also wasn't into let them come in. So we I think we got to find middle ground because you look at the box and you're like oh he gave up eight earned runs that's a lot when in reality he probably gave up six and the reliever gave it gave up the other two. You yeah. know so I, I think we got to find a bit of a way because I think that's a little misleading. Um, but eh, I mean he, he's gonna be fine. He's Please he's count. good. I had, I had the pleasure of seeing him pitch against the A's, or sorry, the, the Braves in Atlanta. And that was really cool to see him. I mean, he's definitely someone, when he throws a fastball, I was out in left center, you hear it. Mm-hmm. You hear it. it. It's not like a, oh, it's a, oh, yeah, it was kind of loud. It was like a pop, a loud pop. So mm-hmm. it was really cool to see. It was really cool to see him, him pitch live, especially against a good team like the Braves.
0: Yeah, and and the Braves are... Going back to that series real quickly, the Braves are one of the best fastball hitting clubs yeah. in the in the whole major leagues, and he doubled down and pitched him like eighty percent fastballs. I yeah. think he tried to do that. I, I I'm sure Bo will correct me when he comes back. Not correct me, but but bring up the uh, the strikeout percentage or not strikes, but um, the pitch breakdown, and he probably threw mostly fastballs. And Aaron Judge, you just don't throw high fastballs, do you? Bryce Miller's bread and butter this year has been the high fastball. And Judge took him out, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, that's so. just not a guy I think that you can you can throw fast. I mean, Bryce Miller has an electric fastball, but if there's one guy in that Yankee squad that's yeah. going to touch your fastball, it's going to be Aaron Judge. I mean, the box score showed that, Yep, you know. But I think Bryce still has a lot of – he's got so much room to grow. And I think, I don't know, I haven't watched him too much. I don't know how much he relies on his off speed and his braking. But mm-hmm. I think if he, if that's something he develops well, a, a really good, a good change up, a good, I guess we'll call it a sweeper. I'm still up in the air on that term. <laughs> it just looks like a slider or a slurve to me, but you know, I'm uneducated, I guess. A, to develop a pitch like that to go, especially for guys like Judge, right? Who, mm-hmm. I mean, Judge can hit everything but he can really hit fastballs, you know? Yeah. And so I'm interested to see what the future holds for Bryce Miller, even being a White Sox fan. I know we're, I'm not going to see, or I'm not going to see Bryce much at play, you know, against the White Sox, but uh, I'm excited. I, like I said before, I'm, you know, I'm a White Sox fan, I grew up in the Northwest, I grew up watching the marriage all the time. So I still follow them. Not as closely as like you and Bo do, but I still yeah. check the box scores. I still follow with, uh with what's going on. You know, they're, they're a team that I love going to see in person. I love T-Mobile. It's a, it's a great park. I'm looking forward to being there this summer.
0: So, so, hey, I can't wait. We're going to be there later this summer. But yeah, not for a Mariners game, for the All-Star game. So it's going to be great. Um, moving on to game two, um, it was even worse than the first. <laughs> um, Nestor Cortez came in and uh, Nestor has not been pitching well. He's, he got the win. He's 5-2, but he kind of is doing it the Marco way, um, where he's gotten over 5 ERA. Um, and, and the Yankees were able to win 10-2 um, against the Mariners. Gilbert, um, I think, had a better start than Bryce Miller the day before, but still wasn't great. Um, he only went four innings pitched, seven hits. Um, had seven runs, but only five of them were earned. Because there was a couple errors in there, um, four Ks, two home runs, um, the the back end, the bullpen. At least Gott and Saucedo didn't pitch bad. They gave us too many uh, one inning a piece. Um, had two Ks between the two of them, and then like I said, Darren McConnell came in, gave us uh, three innings, but he did give up three runs. So kind of kind of made that score look a little worse, um, even though the Mariners probably weren't going to win that game because. Um, there was some funky, uh, funky ejections in the game. Uh, Tom Murphy got ejected for saying something to arguably one of the worst umpires in the league, and CB Buck- Buckner. Um, and then, in response to Tom Murphy getting run, uh, Scott Servais came out and also got ran for. I mean, he was he was furious with the call. Um, I know I watched. I, I, I don't blame him either. I watched the John boy media breakdown of it. Um, and the one thing that Tom Murphy said, he, he probably wouldn't have been kicked out if, you know, he was just complaining about the strike, but he got a little too personal and started saying to CB Buckner, you, that was the big, big thing he said was you sucked. You made the bad call. Once you get personal, they're gonna run you, and it wasn't even CB that kicked him out. It was the home plate umpire who's in his first year of of umpiring, you know, or he he it, maybe it's not his first year, but he's he yeah. still a youngin as opposed to CB Buckner, who uh, uh, you know has been, been around, around for too a while. long. He, yeah, he he needs to go the way of uh, a couple of the other um, umpires that we won't name, Angel Hernandez. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyways um yeah just not a great start for for Gilbert and some funky ejections I know you had a little bit to say on the ejections because uh I, I think you look at it a little different I look at it as Scott was coming out to defend Tom Murphy but you made a very valid point when we we're talking about this before we shot
1: yeah I think I, I I it's not that I don't think managers should have their players back I think they should always have their players backs um I think so you've already you got to put it in perspective. You've already lost the game before. You know, you give mm-hmm. him 18 hits, 10 runs. You're trying to get back into it. You know, you you, you don't want to suffer <clears throat> another loss like that. And I think the thing with Scott is at that point, Murph's already been ejected. There's no, They're not going to uneject him. There's nothing you can say to bring him back into the game. So I think it's, in my opinion, it's best for the team if the managers there, because as we were talking about, now when Scott gets ejected, you've got to move all your managers around. you got to move all your base coaches around. Everything mm-hmm. is jumbled. The whole game, the flow of the game is gone. You're yep. you're resetting from, from square one, pitch one, basically. So I think if it was a situation where Murph hadn't been ejected yet, Scott comes out and Scott takes the brunt of it. He gets ejected and Murph doesn't. I think that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But now you have your catcher ejected and you have your manager ejected. Now you've mm-hmm. lost two, especially because, I mean, it's not like, you know, Murph isn't, he's not a world beer. It comes, you know, to the plate, but he's a very good catcher. He's a very yeah. good catcher. And he has the ability to control your pitching staff.
0: Mm-hmm. That is
1: gone. And so, I mean, I agree. I think that your manager needs to back up your players. I just think it was um, unfortunate timing. I think for Scott, because, um, Murph was already gone, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, yeah. but I think, I think that he shouldn't, he shouldn't back off from backing his players up. I think it's just uh maybe go out there, say your piece and be done with it. You know, I do yeah. think the ejection of Murph was insane to say mm-hmm. it lightly. It was insane. I don't care if he got that personal or not. I mean, there's a, of course there's a personal line that you cross, but just saying someone's name, yeah, uh, that's just ridiculous. That that's that's too soft for me, you know. But yeah. CB is that way because everyone gives him a hard time because he's not a good umpire. And if you yep. don't want people to give you a hard time, be a better umpire.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, yeah. it's just that's what the the players get that. You know, if you don't want to get heckled, play better. Yep. You know, and I don't think the umpires should be abstained <laughs> from from criticism. I, I think that there's been a lot of objections this year that happened. They're just way too way too quick, in my
0: opinion. Yep yeah
1: it changes the game the whole game it changes the whole game
0: it does it does and it it definitely changed the game um you know with cal is not a slouch so at least we had cal to come in no yeah um but but obviously he was not probably ready for that game oh. you know obviously tom probably has the game plan of what they want to do so so cal coming in He's got to kind of be fed that either through pitch calm or well, some discussions with the uh, coaching staff.
1: Beyond that, I obviously, Cal's the better player all around. Yeah. Right. But you got to give guys like Cal a day off from behind the plate.
0: Yeah. And it's such he, a, it goes it's from having a, a day job. off.
1: He goes from having a day off to now you have to come in not warmed up, not ready to catch at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, what happens if Murph gets ejected, Scott gets ejected, Cal comes in to catch, and Cal gets hurt because he had to come in and catch? Now all of a yeah. sudden, one small ejection has changed likely the trajectory of your season. Yep, you know. So I think it's just—I don't know. Umpires need to be better, <laughs> <in> my opinion. <laughs> yep. But um, I digress. That's.
0: I'll digress on that point too. I think we 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 touched on that well enough. Um, just to go over some offensive stats before we move on to uh, the series finale. Uh, Ty France went three for five, had a double. Um, J-Rod, I think this was his only game going 0-for, went 0-for-5. Teo went 1-for-4, Gino went 1-for-4, Tom Murphy went 1-for-1. Murph, France, Teo, and Cal all had doubles. France and Teo had uh, RBIs, but the Mariners only went 2-for-11 with runners in scoring position. 11 runners left on, so not a great game at the plate when you're looking at trying to get people... Um, across and score runs and try to catch up this Yankees team that ran up double digit score again. So,
1: I mean, twenty runs and thirty hits in two games is a lot.
0: Yep, it's it certainly lot. is.
1: But certainly it is. makes the next game more impressive, in my opinion. It,
0: it from a pitching standpoint, absolutely. Yeah,
1: from a pitching standpoint, from, that's a it's a miraculous
0: turnaround. From the offensive point of view, we continue to slump. Um, yeah, series finale. Wednesday game, um, it was a night game. Yankees um, ended up not able to plate a runner. Uh, Mariners got the shutout one nothing. so they did salvage the last game of the series. Uh, Justin Topa came in, um, had one of the biggest innings, I think, of his career in the 10th. Um, bases were, I think, loaded at one point, or he had runners in scoring position, I think it was, Yeah, and was able to get a K. Um Looked great. Kirby looked phenomenal. Um, eight innings pitched, th- only gave up three hits to, again, a Yankees team that scored 20 runs and had 30 hits. Um, had seven Ks, and then Seawald came in, won an inning pitch. Um, had a K and a base on balls. Um, but, again, pitching staff-wise and, and pitching in this game was great. And I know Bo came in and edited the notes a little bit, and the biggest thing he put for this game was, we didn't waste a good Kirby start, you know. He did not, he got Felix because we only gave him a run, but it did not get wasted and it ended up in a loss. That was uh,
1: uh, when you sent me the notes, that was one thing that stuck out to me was not wasting a George Kirby start. And I think after the start that George had previously, mm-hmm. having a start like this, like you really can't waste that. I can, yep. even though it's it doesn't take away his eight strong, seven strikeouts, even if they lose the game. But just mm-hmm. the moment, momentum, like for him, other than statistically, nothing's going to change in the you know, in win column. He's not going to get the win or anything. But from a confidence perspective, it's I kept the team in the game. And they were able to come back and pay me back by winning the game. And I think that's a big yeah. thing yeah. when it comes to uh, this point of the year for the Mariners, especially, especially as we talked about, just getting dominated the last two games. To come back and not give mm-hmm. up a run for one and only three hits. And it's not like that the Yankees came out here and fielded a double A team. They fielded roughly the same team that they've been field fielding the last two games. So yep. I think that was a, <clears throat> I think it was a big start for Kirby. I think confidence booster for one, just to come back from that bad start. And for two, just to get the Mariners back on the, on the right track.
0: Yep. Yep. Cal had the, the game winning hit, had his 32nd RBI, on a single because they put Caballero in um, on second to pinch run for Gino, which was very smart. I mean, like you said at the start of the podcast, Caballero has got some uh, great speed. Man, <laughs> that's saying it very lightly.
1: That's something to behold in in person. I saw him running to first base in Atlanta, and yeah, uh, that was crazy. It looked like the no. Flash. I'm not joking. Like he got down the line. I remember I turned around, I told Rachel, I was like, "Did you just see that?" Like.
0: <laughs> I have
1: not seen a human in on a baseball diamond run that fast in person in a very long time. So that was impressive. Yeah. I think I remember I, I had messaged you and I was like, because I didn't know much about Kabir. I'd seen him a little bit, and I was like, dude, this is insane. That was one of the that was like the highlight of the game for me. It was like, man, that guy gets around. That's crazy. So that not not a surprise. But I, I saw the game cast, and I saw it at first it said Gino was on second, and I was like, Are they gonna leave Gino in on second? Yeah. And then it said Caballero, and I was like, oh, this game's over." Yep. <laughs> and I mean, re- realistically, you put a ball in play, one ball in play, yeah, it's gonna get him to third, and then you're gonna need a miraculous, uh, a miraculous outcome for the Yankees to not get him home. So
0: I yep. think that was yep. that was
1: really good, really good managerial decision on Scott's part. Yeah.
0: Yep. So, you know, with the win, the Mariners salvaged the series didn't get swept against the Yankees. They ended the homestand at seven and three um, with their only losses, obviously coming the two against the Yankees, one against the pirates. And that is huge in the grand scheme of things. Cause they're over 500. I think they're two games over 500 right now, but um, again, another big series coming up. Actually it's a, it's a big stretch of games, you know, cause the Mariners have Texas next and uh, we're going to, preview that in a second just a quick preview on that but after that the Mariners go to from Texas to San Diego then San Diego to LA to play the Angels so a very very big road trip coming up and it starts out very big because Texas is leading the American League West right now um, they're, they're the top team in the American League West you can argue that they're probably one of the top three teams in all of baseball right now just because they're looking so good they're they're yeah. offensively, um, the number they're either number one and number two in most categories. Offensively, they're scoring like seven runs a game, which is just That's huge. Insane. Yeah, and and it really is going to come down to can the Mariners pitching keep the Rangers offense bay. And two of the three starts are going to be good quality Mariners starters. Um, Friday it's Luis Castillo against John Gray. Uh, Mariners have already seen John Gray once this season. Um I think they lost that last start, so really really but they got the notes um to turn it around on John Gray and it's really going to be probably a must win on Friday. You know, we want to get uh Lepidre, Luis Castillo uh, a start and it be a good start to that road trip getting a win in game 1. Um game 2, Saturday, Marco Gonzalez versus Andrew Heaney. Um that might be two a tough one. It's going to be a tough one, uh, Marco. You know, is very up and down. His 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 wins this season, his record does not reflect probably how he's pitching. Um, and then game three, series closer, we've got Bryce Miller, our hot up up, um, hot upstart. You know, pitcher, rookie of the year candidate, going against Nathan Yuvaldi and Nathan is like seven and two right now, um, looking every bit. The type of pitcher that they picked up to um you know, Jacob DeGrom. And
1: I mean honestly,
0: was probably going to be the number one guy when they need Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. It's going to go down.
1: And oh. it's crazy is the Rangers are doing this all without DeGrom. Yep. And I mean, Nathan Iavaldi is, he's got to be the Cy Young front runner right now in the AL.
0: Mm.
1: I don't, I, I mean, over the last month, I mean, he is just sh- rocketed up. I mean, Garrett Cole obviously is he's pitching well, but I mean, you don't see guys going eight, eight, nine innings anymore. And I mean, Evaldi did it one or two of those the entire month of May. Two complete games in May yeah. is crazy in today's game. You know, so yep. I think yep. that'll be a fun game. That'll be I might I'm have to tune to that one because that that's going to be a fun game to watch. You know, it's also very important for Bryce Miller too, right? Because this is a team you're going to see a lot as Bryce Miller. You're going to see the Rangers a lot, right? So yep. it's, it's good to come out and kind of get a feel for the team now, especially early, early in the season. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be a fun game to watch.
0: Uh, you think that's? I, I always ask Bo this when we go over previews. You think that's the the pitching matchup to watch this weekend? For me, is yeah, that uh, game yeah, yeah. You?
1: I would say for me, yeah. I mean, John Gray's good, but Luis Castillo is far and wide the better pitcher. Um, mm-hmm. Saturday might be a hit fest. I mean, Marco's whiff percentage is like in the bottom twelfth percentile, so he yep. pitches to contact. And with a team that's scoring seven runs a game, that's you can't do that. So yep. I'm not saying he he might you know he might have a good start, but statistically, odds are not in his favor. Same with Andrew Heaney. I mean, he also is a guy who pitches to contact. So when you pitch to contact with with good hitting teams. Now, even though the Mariners are slumping, they have a lot of good bats in their lineup. So uh, that could be a game where you see their bats really break out from yeah. – I mean, I don't think they were in like a bad slump, but they kind of – it would be good for the bats to wake up a little more. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Uh, but uh, Sunday, yes. Sunday, I'll, I'll be watching on Sunday.
0: I As will I. As will I. I'll be – actually, I'll be at work, so I'll be probably listening to the radio broadcast on that. I love the radio broadcast. I should listen to it uh, some, more.
1: I don't listen to it enough.
0: It, it's usually behind a couple ticks, but um, yeah, it, it's fun. They Aaron Goldsmith's mainly the TV guy, but he comes on there all the time. Um, and they do, they do it weird because Rick Riz, who usually is the radio guy, um, they kind of split it up so like Rick Riz will get, get a couple innings in and then Aaron Goldsmith will come in, come in a couple innings um, Gary Hill got the call in the 10th and he hadn't called the whole game. He got a couple of innings. <laughs> Sometimes the they world. go, they go switch top and the bottom, you know, like it, it's, it's kind of fun to watch and listen to. So, um, yeah, definitely listen to the radio broadcast. One of these days, try it. The Sunday game. Tell me what you Okay,
1: know. Okay. I'll so, check it
0: out. So, yeah. so this is the part of the show right before we get out of here. You know, we're, we're really close to wrapping up. Usually Bo gives us a prospect to watch. Um, last, last not the last week but the not the last episode but the episode before it was Zach deloche so you can go listen to that but since bo's not here bo left me a question to ask you and all all our listeners have heard this question already because we left it in in tuesday's episode so um i you told me you hadn't listened to the episode or at least that part you wanted to leave it a surprise so here is his question um and he, he wants your God honest answer on it. And, and you know, um, I will relay it back to him. I'm sure he'll listen to it. So the okay. question is, what will it take for the Mariners to acquire Timmy Jim Anderson?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's just, uh, okay, I'll be honest with you. Number one, that kills me to see Tim Anderson in another uniform. But, but if he goes to the Mariners, I would not be upset. <clears throat> number one, I like the marriage sound like it's not like him getting traded to, you know, the Yankees or some nonsense like that. Okay. Yeah. What would it take? I think it would take, they need some starting pitching help. Truthfully, Lancelin's not pitching well at all. He's getting older. Um, I mean, Mike Clevenger's a dumpster fire. Nothing more to say <laughs> about that. Um, Kopech is – he has the tools. Um, yeah. It's just trying to put it all together still, especially he's going – they've bounced it from bullpen the last couple of years to starting. So, you know, he had Tommy John, so they didn't want to throw him in there. My guess would be some form of starting pitching. Um, okay. What would I like? The tough part is they really need a second baseman. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and the Mariners. The Mariners don't have Ohio, a second, second baseman.
1: <laughs> the other thing that – That they, truthfully, I think, in my opinion, what they need, they need a good outfielder so Eloy can DH as often as he needs to because Mm -hmm. every time he plays the field, I have a mini heart attack. So if it were up to me, I would be looking for starting pitching or an outfielder. Obviously, they're not going to part with, you know, obviously when I say outfielder, like J-Rod's, you know, be realistic here. It'd be like them trying to trade Luis Robert. You know, it's just not going to happen. Kelnick yep. wouldn't make any sense. Although I would like Kelnick, just because I would, I like they need him a little more lefty bats in their lineup. Um, mm-hmm. or I would really like. I've always been a fan of Teoscar. Um, I think the thing that Tim Anderson brings to the table that would really help the Mariners, um, is that man is an on base machine. He is a he's not going to get a lot of home runs, mm-hmm. but he can get. I mean, he had this last. This last weekend, he had multiple three-hit games. I think he had two hits one game and then back-to-back three-hit games. He was slumping a little bit, but he would be a good addition to the Mariners because he can play second base, too, as he did in the World Baseball Classic. So they they could slot JP in short, and Tim could play second. Tim could play second, no problem. Tim doesn't play second because they don't need him to play second because we don't have second baseman anyways. And if we don't have a second baseman, if he plays second, we're not going to have a shortstop. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I'm not sure. I'm not real well-versed on Mariners prospects. Um, I think as much as I wouldn't want them to, their farm system isn't great right now. So I can see them, if they're going to trade him, they're going to probably get some good prospects for him. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I, the one of the one of the biggest Mariners pitchers right now in the minor leagues, most people would say Emerson Hancock, if you're just looking at the eye test. But we got a guy in AA Arkansas right now named Brian Wu. Really, okay. really pitching really well. I could see him being part of the deal. And I brought that up a couple weeks ago on one of the podcasts because he had went like seven innings of no hit ball. Mm-hmm. Um, or he gave up one hit. Like He, he took an, a perfect game into the seventh, I think it was. And I, I had mentioned that Brian Wu is doing this maybe to crack the Mariners lineup of pitching, mm-hmm. you know, just in case Marco ends up being the dumpster fire that he can be, you know. But I see mainly Brian Wu as maybe a trade target mm-hmm. to, to yeah. acquire another hitter. So maybe a Brian Wu. If you want lefty bats, I mean – Cade Marlowe sitting down there could could make a little bit of sense. He's not the biggest Mariners name, probably. I think the, uh,
1: the problem with trying to you know trade for Tim is <clears throat> Tim is the Tim is the lifeblood of the White Sox. Yeah, so you're not just trading your best shortstop. You're trading since Jose Abreu has gone now. You're trading your de facto team captain. I don't know if they've officially given him like team captain status. Mm-hmm but he is the lifeblood of the team. So I think, you know, to them, that's, they're, they're going to want a lot more out of it for that because they're, they're trading. If he, if he gets traded, they're trading a big part of their team. You know, for example, we were talking about this a little before, you know, I mean, the Mariners have a lot of young, really young talent, Mm -hmm. but it would be like them in, in the clubhouse and everything. It'd be like them, it'd be akin to them trading a guy like Gino, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? Because Gino's a guy who gets off everyone in the clubhouse. Really charismatic on the field, and so it's not you're not just trading a player like you're trading like an integral part of your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, I would hate to see him go. I don't think they're going to do it. Um, I know I don't think- I, I've, I've seen people talking about like you know a fire sale or whatever. But outside of that ten game losing streak when they were fielding what was basically a double A team, Tim was out, Mancada was out, um, Lubob didn't play like three or four of those games, you know. Mm-hmm. So outside of that 10-game losing streak, they're playing 500 baseball.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, so I think people, White Sox, especially White Sox Twitter, very quick to overreact to things. Um, and, I mean, you look at them on paper, they're a very good team. Mm-hmm. What they need to do, in my opinion, they need to get some better strength conditioning coaches. They need to get something figured out with Ethan Katz because I don't know what's going on with the pitching staff this year. They are not good at all. I love Ethan Katz, but I, I don't know. I, something's got something's got to change, you know. And yeah. having three managers in four years doesn't help anything. Yeah, you know, I think it would be remiss if they fire sale and and start trading people. I think you're going to drive a lot of people away. Yeah, because a lot of people still believe in this team. I mean, this season might be slightly out of reach now, but the potential is it. The, I mean, people are getting older, obviously, but. You still have a lot of young guys. I mean, you have Jake Berger, Andrew Vaughn. You got Benny. He's still Benny's not that old. He's just been in the league a long time. You know, Aloy yeah. also is not that old. He just needs to stay healthy. You know, and part of that staying healthy is stop playing him in the field. <laughs> Honestly,
0: <laughs> like every
1: time I see him in the field, man, I'm like, oh, just DH him, just DH him. Yeah, he'd be the he'd yep. be one of the best DHs in the game. You know, but he
0: probably, it, probably not Shohei Otani getting getting votes over Shohei, but no. definitely one of the better DHs in the league. At the it's league. hard
1: though because when I think of a DH, I don't think of someone like Shohei Otani. You know, I get he I get that he is a DH, but he's kind of like a unicorn DH. When I think of a, a DH, I think of someone like Edgar, right? Yeah, someone yeah. who back in that era of baseball, your job was to hit for the pitcher. <clears throat> Yep. Not Shohei doing it himself,
0: <laughs>
1: you know. But I mean, to, truthfully, to play to play a bit, bit of devil's advocate, I would like to see a big deal with someone in their starting rotation. I honestly think if they're going to trade Tim Anderson, that's what it's going to take. I don't okay. think I don't think they're going to trade him for cheap. I I, okay. I really I really don't. So I mean, if they want to give up, you know, George Kirby or whatever, that's fine. I'll take it. Ew. Ew.
0: <laughs> how about how about Marco? You guys can have
1: Marco? Oh, we no
0: <laughs> deals off. Deals off.
1: <laughs> no deal, Ricky. No, <laughs> I like Marco, but uh, he'll get you know he'll he'll oh God he'll get hammered.
0: <laughs> yes, he would in that AL Central. He would get hammered. I mean, with the, with the teams. The thing with the ballparks
1: <laughs> is a lot of the ballparks have big outfield.s in the AL Central, especially Tigers. Yeah. And like the Twins, they have like short down line, but like down left center, or right center, it starts to get a little deep out there.
0: You and, know? and right center has got that wall. Yeah. It's huge out there. Yeah.
1: So, so, I mean, a guy that pitches a contact like Marco, uh no bad career move. Do not trade him anywhere. <laughs> I mean, if you want to trade him to another central team, that's fine because the White Sox crush left handed pitching. So that's fine. But don't <laughs> trade him to us. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sure that's uh, not
1: going to happen. I, I, I knew it was going to be something trade-related, but I, I didn't expect him to to hit, to hit me where it hurts, right in my heart. I, with Tim I know, I know,
0: I know. Anyways, it, it's time to wrap up. We've been going for a while, and it's going to be a fun episode to listen to and, and cut up. So, Cody, thank you for coming on, and we will have you again soon, especially when the Mariners take on the White Sox.
1: Yes, I appreciate it. it was It was a blast like always. So I'm looking forward to Chicago probably getting swept, but it'll be a, it'll be a fun time.
0: Hey, at least you admitted it this time. Usually you're trolling me. So
1: I mean, here's the thing: the Mariners, they're up and down right now. Chicago's up and down, so it's, it's it can be any one series.
0: It could be, it could be. For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. For Cody Essman, I'm Rick Clark, and Bill and I will see you guys next Tuesday.